Welcome to the Unapologetic Designer Podcast, where we chat controversial design topics and expose the raw truth about life as a designer. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited today because I have on a good friend and fellow designer of mine, and this is our second time trying to record this episode, but we have some really good questions and content to talk about. So Megan, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. My name is Megan Leakes, and I have a YouTube channel where I talk about graphic design, do a wine and design series every Wednesday where I um, show behind the scenes of client work and also just talk about my experience running a graphic design business. And I'm super excited to be here. So first off, Congrats on about to hit 10,000 YouTube subscribers. That's thank you. <laughs> such a big accomplishment. Thank and you. I love how like open you are to just sharing like behind the scenes and like I feel like you don't cut out stuff. So when people watch yeah. your videos like they really get to see like the realistic point of view where a lot of times it's like edited, you know what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I try and make it as like kind of casual but also like structured in a way so I'm glad that that comes across that way thank you (laughs) so one of the reasons I really wanted to get you on the podcast was because one we were supposed to have one like weeks ago when we recorded our YouTube video together but I didn't upload the audio but you recently talked about your $30,000 client on YouTube so I'm sure a lot of my listeners would be curious to know, like, how you got that client, your experience, and all of that. So, like, how did this project come about? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, So, first off, I, this time last year, which it's November 4th, um, so this time last year, I took my business full-time. But before I took my business full-time, I definitely was hesitant about it. Like, I wasn't I was confident enough to do it, but I wasn't sure if I would financially be able to like support myself. And I was just like nervous about that move. So I was looking at different job opportunities and this one job opportunity came up for me. um, And it seemed like a perfect fit because they're a plant nursery. I love plants and um, they just seem like really awesome people to work with. So I was like, maybe this is like my stepping stone into taking my business full time. So I went through the interview process, got to know the team and it really kind of helped me like, cause it had been probably four years since I've done an interview. So it like allowed me to kind of step back, update my portfolio and like kind of just check in with myself. And I was still working full time at another job. I was just trying to figure out what path I was going to go down. Um, so Basically, I I tell that part of it because I got to know this company and they did offer me a position there, but I decided that my heart just felt this drive and pull to take my business full time. So I turned down the position and went on my own. And it was actually two weeks after I made that decision that this company reached back out to me to hire me through my business. So I already, so when I was in the interview process, they showed me a couple of proposals they had from other companies that they were going to hire like an agency to do the website for them. And those proposals were a very large amount. Like there was one for 45,000. 
And I was like, just mind blown that people are charging that for website design. So that allowed me to see like where their budgets were, which was super helpful. Cause when I did get that opportunity, I was able to create a proposal that was a lot more than I typically charge. Um, so yeah, that was super helpful, but that's how I got to know the company. That's how I got to meet them. And it's kind of crazy cause you would never really think like a plant nursery would have like huge budgets, but um, they really do. They have multiple locations here. So it was really cool, but I know we had been talking about like, once I got started in the project, I feel like it could have been in that $45,000 range or more because it was a pretty big project. How did the conversation of the proposals even come up? Like, did they just offer like, here's what we're getting from other companies? Yeah, it was honestly a very unique interview process because they're all family. I don't think I said this on the last one. So they're all very open and just, it was, it was really interesting because when I got there, they had like their other proposals and candidates on the table, which is like something I feel like not a lot of people do. Um, and they were just super open with me. Like we were thinking about going with this agency, but we feel like their price is a little bit high for what they're offering. So they were just open out from out right when I like got to know them, um, which was kind of interesting, but yeah, that's how it came up. Wasn't really like anything huge. They just told me straight up, this is what they're charging. When I went to go create my proposal. They sent me the proposal that other company gave them, which was really weird. Um, so I got to really see like in depth of what they were asking for. And it wasn't a very impressive proposal. It was like a very simple PDF. So I felt like I could totally do so much better than this. I feel like that was such a huge advantage you had because most of the time when you have a client, if they are getting proposals from others, they never share any information about it. So yeah. I think that that's like absolutely insane. But <laughs> okay, so you started the project and then it kind of started going downhill. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So well, first off, yeah, you're right. It was kind of now looking back, I'm like, I can't believe they showed me what they were charging. But I honestly think they showed me it because they thought I was going to take that position there. I don't think they thought it would turn into me coming up with a price. So maybe that's why they were more comfortable with it at the time. But um, yeah, so once I got started with the project, I, I actually talked to my good friend that I connected with a long time ago when I was working at this agency. He's really good at like SEO and just website management. Like he's more experienced than me. He's a lot older than me. So I felt like he'd be a perfect person to have me have help. Sorry, I can't talk today. Have basically helped me with on this project. So I was like, okay, he's a perfect person to bring in on this. So once we got started, everything was like going pretty good. I feel like I pretty much set the timeline and I showed this in my video, like I told them the timeline of what's going to be happening, happening during what weeks and what I'll be working on. So I felt like everything was going good until the development of the website started and they started getting really nitpicky on like photo changes after we already like decided on those. And then copy changes, they wanted us to rewrite all the copywriting when originally they told us they were okay with the copywriting that already existed. 
And then the big, big thing that happened that was like super stressful during the project was that they decided they wanted a resource section on the website, which required us to turn almost about 100 PDFs into web pages. So that alone was like, just like, what the heck? Like we did not talk about this in the beginning or else like we would have adjusted our proposal. So we ended up having like an internal meeting to talk about how we are going to let them know that that's gonna be a little bit extra because that was like a lot of work. Um, and they were okay with paying extra, but the bummer part about working with them is that they had like a passive aggressive personality that was really hard to talk to. And they would just be, they would like express their unhappiness and then the next day change their mind. So it was like so much flip-flopping, which was just so stressful for us. And yeah, I mean, ultimately I feel like we could have charged way more for the amount of things we had to do. And I mean, on top of her just being flip floppy and like adding on things after the proposal was decided on, she also would like randomly call us during the day and like freak out about random things, like <laughs> and yell at us and um, text me at like 9.30 at night. And yeah, it got out of hand for a little while there, but um, we kind of just had to put our foot down. Like we literally had a meeting and we like set our boundaries straight because it was getting that bad. <laughs> and how did you go about setting those boundaries? Because I know this is something that a lot of designers struggle with. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I still struggle with that. I think it's so hard to like, I don't know. Cause I want to make sure my clients are happy. And I feel like a lot of times I blame myself, like, Oh my God, like, what did I not do for them? What can I do for them? But that's why I was so happy to have this guy helping me on it because he's had a lot of experience in doing this. Um, so we basically just approached it as nice as we could. Like we played the nice people <laughs> and we let them know, like, we really want to make sure they're happy, but like, this is going to take a lot more time than we estimated, which is also going to adjust the date that we plan on launching this. Um, because of the extra time, we do need to charge a little bit extra. So, I mean, we just set it like as simple and kind of like upfront as we could. And then when it came to the calling and texting, instead of being like, don't call me or don't text me at this time, we were like moving forward, let's just have set times that we talk. So we tried to like kind of just keep pushing that out there. Like, let's just schedule a time to talk that way we can all come prepared. So yeah, that seemed to help once we spoke up a little bit. I think she just needed that kind of uh, guidance. Because I think, honestly, she was just so worried that we weren't doing the work, <laughs> which sucks because you want uh, your client to trust you. And and yeah, so I'm like, thank God I did not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I totally understand where it's like you want the client to be happy and like you want to do everything for them. But mm -hmm. at the same time, like you have to protect your own health and your environment and sometimes that can be so tricky to navigate because you don't always know like what's going on in a client's head or like what's going on in their lives like why they're acting like that and you don't yeah. know how they're going to react when you're like okay like you can't talk to me during this time you know and you never want them to react badly and like go crazy but like, yeah there's always you know that chance of that happening and that's really scary to get in those situations so yeah. Exactly. How long did it actually take you to complete the project? And how long did you initially think it was going to take you? 
So when we started, they wanted us to finish it in two months. And at first we were like, okay, yeah, like we can do that until they added on that resource section. And, and then until they started changing everything. Um, so it ended up taking about four months to finish the whole project. And I mean, there's still ongoing stuff that my good friend is helping them with. I'm not helping them anymore, but um, yeah. So it took about four months total, which still honestly was like not that long. It was really stressful for, for that time period. And that's so funny that that's what happened because I also had a really big client over the summer who had like a team of people and initially we started going into the project thinking okay about two months like a usual timeline and then it turned into four months and that was really because the any time that I work with a team of people usually there's just too many cooks in the kitchen you know what I'm saying yes yes yeah that definitely became an issue like near the end and I think I was telling you this but I got invited to some Zoom call and I was like, I honestly did not know what the Zoom call was about. It just said like website review. Um, So I joined the call and literally there was probably like 50 people on the call from every single department of the business. And she was presenting the website when we weren't even close to being ready to launch, um, which was so disappointing because I was put on mute. Like we were all muted while she presented and she just like had some disrespectful comments about like mistakes that were still on there and things that we just hadn't got to yet because we were focused on the resource section. So that was like super stressful because every department had their own opinion and it was just like, and I think she's the type of person that like second guesses herself. So all those opinions like freaked her out, stressed her out and, um, and it basically landed on us. So yeah, it was pretty stressful. That type of thing happens so often to designers, especially the like little mistakes type of thing. That's one of my biggest pet peeves because clients will literally give mm-hmm. me copy or something that's spelled wrong or yeah. doesn't say the right thing. And they're like, this needs to be uh correctly spelled or this needs to be fixed and it's like you gave it to me like that and now you're acting as if I put it there no (laughs) exactly no that happened with one of my clients yesterday she's so sweet but uh, we made like a brochure for her and like there was literally spelling mistakes all across it but it's just funny how it always ends up on us like I don't know I feel like that's kind of not my responsibility if they're handing me the copy but um yeah (laughs) it is kind of funny yeah I feel like it's pretty hard sometimes to clarify like what your job really is as a designer like we're not copywriters we're not printers and I try to make those things pretty clear up front like hey you're responsible for getting the copy to me you're responsible for getting the things printed because I don't think I've ever had a client think that I was going to print their things but I do know situations where designers have like got a client and the client was expecting them to not only design the stuff for them but print it too like no that's not it's not our job (laughs) yeah I know that's crazy yeah I try and try and make sure I have that at least written out in like the proposal 
super clear, but I mean, fortunately some clients don't read or expect things and uh, it's really hard being a people pleaser sometimes because I, I'm really learning that I have to like also have some boundaries and like have my voice because I've always been a people pleaser and go like, I want to go above and beyond, but there comes a point where it's like, you're literally going to burn yourself out so much if you keep doing that. <laughs> exactly. And how did that stress working with that client affect you over those four months? Cause I know you said it was very stressful and I can only imagine from the things you said, like it was a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. It really was such a bummer. Cause like that was my first four months into having my business full time. And like, of course, financially it was amazing. Like I was like, of course I can have my full-time business. Like I'm already supporting myself even better than my full-time job before, but just mentally, like I was so drained every day because I would get anxiety, like that she was going to call me randomly and like, just be unhappy about something. And yeah, honestly, every day was like an anxiety, stressful day. Um, so I don't know if it was really fully like worth it because I also had to put a lot of things to the side because that was like my main focus to get their project done. Um, so I couldn't really have a whole lot of other clients at the same time, even though I did, which was probably not smart because that just stressed me out more. But yeah, I feel like mentally I was just so drained. Like I probably should have taken some time off after because it was stressful. I mean, like she would yell at us and yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. <laughs> and I love that you say you don't know if it was worth the money because, and I know I mentioned this last time, I recently had a client who has been in business for years and years and years. They have a team of people. So I know from that information and the things they've told me, they're definitely like a multi-million dollar company. Yeah. And I sent them a proposal for a $12,000 website design project and brand identity like with the basic things that come in my package by default and yeah they responded earlier in the week asking me if I would lower the price to 10,000 and they worded it as based on the current economy and our other proposals would you consider this like trying to make it not offensive but I was oh absolutely God. offended yeah. And I was like, at this point, my design services are not up for negotiation. And I haven't heard from them since, which I'm not surprised. But yeah, it's the audacity that people have to even ask for a discount. And like, that's such a huge red flag from a big, I mean, it's a huge red flag from any client, in my opinion, but especially from a big company. It's yeah. like, if you can't afford the service go somewhere else instead of asking that service provider to bend their prices and the way that they do things for you, you know? Exactly. I know whenever I think about that, like people bargaining or like trying to do that with a designer, I'm like, would you ever go to like a hair salon and be like, can you drop the price down a little bit? Like, it's just not, not normal. And it's like art. I don't know. Yeah, I get that. That's, that's super annoying. And definitely a red flag too. And I always have little scenarios I make up to compare like analogies. Yeah. Like, would you go into Target and like go grab something off the shelf and be like, hey, can I get this cheaper? No, you would <laughs> never do that. And it's exactly. so 
weird that people view the design industry that way, but don't treat any other industry with that same attitude. I don't understand it. And like, that's also part of the reason that I teach designers. So like we can all set boundaries and we can all say no to clients and we can all raise our prices together like as a whole to make the design industry better for everybody because there are designers out there who don't know how to say no or how to stick to their prices and do crazy cheap work to where they're burnt out all the time and it's like we have to all change our ways to make clients view us in a different light yeah no it's so true I remember like a while back when I was still doing like just freelance design I wasn't full-time yet, but I was charging like way too little because I was like, I didn't need the money really. It was just like my freelancing, like side gig. Um, So I was able to like charge less than I probably should have, but I had this client, a plastic surgery client that I knew like was well off and had enough money and I increased my pricing. I hadn't spoke to her probably in like two years because we finished the project and then she reached back out once I increased my pricing and basically like called me up and was like, I would expect that pricing from like a boutique agency, but not you. And I was just like, that was like my first kind of realization that like, you're going to have to like stand up for what you're worth. And it sucks that people like sometimes just can't respect that. But I'm glad that I heard her say that in the beginning, because that's like a red flag to not continue. And I I think part of that stems from the fact that there are so many people undercharging. So then it's like Mm -hmm. a client doesn't know the return on investment or the full value of investing in strategic design. They just know the price tag that they've seen from other designers and that can range anywhere from five bucks to thousands and thousands of dollars. So they don't even really know what's appropriate. Whereas I feel like other industries, it's a bit more straightforward. Like if I'm going to hire a CPA, I talked to multiple people and then I made my decision and like, yes, there were varying rates, but it wasn't, insanely varying to the way that the design industry rates vary there's also a lot of people who do like design on the side kind of like where you started Mm -hmm. and I've even spoke about this before like those people are able to charge so little because it's not their full-time income but at the same time people who are doing that need to also think about how that is impacting their fellow designers and I think that's something that people don't really consider because they just look at other designers as competition and it's like no we're all in this together and we need to be respectful of each other and learn from each other and try to raise the value of the design industry together and I totally understand people wanting to like be affordable and help people out and do things like that but if you get to that point where you have so much work and you're charging too little you're just going to burn yourself out and then you're not even going to be serving your clients in the best way that you can. Totally. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like when you started out, did you, how did you navigate like pricing yourself when you're new? Cause I feel like, I mean, like if I'm brand new and I don't really know how to make a beautiful strategic brand, I probably should not be charging as much as someone who's like super experienced. So how would you, how did you navigate that? I'm curious. So 
first off, I like using the word skill instead of experience when it comes to that because I know people who have been designing for 20 years and have you know 20 years of experience but you could never tell by their work or what they do so I always like to like go at it from a skill side of the perspective and when I first started I definitely undercharged myself but I did like a $75 logo and then I did what was it like a hundred dollar logo and then I did a $300 logo and then a $500 logo and I actually made a whole YouTube video about this I'll actually link it in the description so people can go watch it who are listening and want to see that but I showed pictures of my work and what I was doing and what I was charging at that time because there's no resource for designers when they're just starting to really figure out their price point like they kind of have to just guess and kind of do it themselves and I just kept raising my prices like with every client I got and then when I did start learning about branding and stepping into the brand identity area that's when I went from you know a few hundred dollars five hundred dollars to fifteen hundred dollars and like the thousand range and Uh then I invested in a designer educational course and it just kind of taught me about the one concept method which now I also teach that to designers and that really changed a lot for me. That taught me a lot about like strategic design and like how to present to clients. And that's when I really started getting into like the $2,000, $3,000 range. And then over time, I just landed to where I'm at now. And most of my projects are like between 10 and $12,000 on average. And, you know, every now and then I have those like really, really high ticket clients who go above that. But yeah, that's pretty much how I did it. And I wish I would have had more information about pricing when I first started like yeah (laughs) I mean more information about the process I feel like there's so much more information nowadays for free like even just on our own YouTube channels like we share our process like that didn't exist when I first started yeah yeah it's interesting because I feel like I get conflicted because I love to see like I love to learn like I never want to be stagnant but I also like I fear like watching other designers because I don't want to change like my, I guess, uniqueness. So I'm like, I was just thinking about that when you're talking because I'm like, I don't know, there's like a fine line and a balance between like consuming things and staying super like, um, what do you call it? Like creative and unique to yourself. Like, how do you balance that? Because I feel like I have some confliction sometimes with that. I feel like there's a way to consume other designers content and learn from it and understand how they approach their process or how they approach their client relationships and then apply it to your own business in a way that works for you. Because like, and this is just like a random example, when Mm -hmm. it comes to content creation, I'm someone who likes to do it in the spur of the moment. And like, that's how I create my content. But For somebody else, they might need to plan it out days in advance. So like they can take tidbits from my process, but then apply it in a way that works for them. And I feel like a lot of designers, when they're first starting, they get a little bit too influenced by others. And it really takes them a long time to kind of find their own voice and stick to like their own way because- I I definitely feel like our industry is intimidating because there's like so many people already in this industry. 
Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I feel like kind of like finding your own voice first and then learning from others is kind of what helps. But yeah, I mean, it's hard sometimes because there's so much online now that it can get like overwhelming. But I kind of, I don't know. I always like to tell people like I don't, I don't like to sit and consume social media because I feel like the less I consume, the more creative content I can create. It's weird, but I just feel like that helps me like at least just compare my own experiences and how I can like relay that through content. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking about that as we were talking. I think one of the key things that helped me find my own voice was creating content. I feel like that's where a lot of designers struggle. They overthink the content. They want it to be perfect. And then they spend too much time looking at other people's content instead of just creating their own and learning from that and growing because I literally almost posted every single day on Instagram when I first started my design business, just creating posters, patterns, logos, all sorts of different things until I kind of found my groove and like my style and how I like to present myself on social media. And also just as a designer in general, like posting on social media can help you grow so much as a person and like learn more about yourself. And I don't think that a lot of people realize how impactful that can be when you kind of push yourself to do those things. That's so true. Like I look back at videos when I first started and my, even my voice was just like more timid and like, I just wasn't as confident in what I was saying until I just stayed consistent and kept doing it. And like, and I feel like one of the biggest things for me, especially with YouTube was I was doing it because I really like enjoyed it and I wasn't getting a lot of views in the beginning. I was sometimes never even getting a comment, but I just had to like push through that and like stay consistent because, and I didn't even really have to push through because I enjoyed it so much. So I think it's like finding an, a platform or an area where you like feel the most, like you can pour yourself into the most, I guess. And like, yeah, I don't know. I was, that's definitely something that helped me was just finding something I really enjoy doing and sticking with it, even though I wasn't getting maybe the most views. <laughs> and I love that you brought that up because yesterday on the Brief Collective, somebody had asked like, how do I gain traction on social media and like get clients as a designer and like actually grow? And I literally said, determination and consistency will solve that because I remember starting from zero on Instagram and posting almost every day, like I said, and having like not a lot of followers and not getting a lot of engagement. And I would watch other designers post similar things and they would get thousands of followers. And it was so discouraging. And I felt like shit, but (laughs) like I just kept creating content even though I wasn't seeing the results I wanted and about three years into my Instagram account was when it finally took off and I was just like holy moly I've been waiting so long for this like like I and it made me appreciate it more um and I I think there's something to be said about the resilience and the growth that happens from that resilience 
like if you just start posting and you get a lot of followers really fast and like Mm -hmm. your account grows really fast that's awesome but you're not going to appreciate it and you're not going to have grown as much mentally from that experience because it was so easy yeah yeah that's so true and I sometimes like to like like we were saying metaphors earlier like when I was like starting to kind of grow on YouTube I would take like the 2000 people I had and like picture 2000 people in a room. And then more recently, like me and my boyfriend went to a concert and I think someone said like, there's like 12 or what was it? Like 8,000 people in this area of the concert. And it made me like step back, like, holy cow, like 8,000 people. Like it might not be as much as a hundred thousand or all these numbers other people have, but that's like a lot of people when you really think about it. Like, So nurturing like the people that are following me and that are there. And even if it's not as much as like other people might have, it's still like a large amount of people. Um, It kind of helped me like step back and, and like really just nurture and like listen. And I think that's what's really helped me more recently is like listening to my followers and my audience, no matter how many you have, like, um, and then like making content based on like what they're talking about has really helped everybody deals with the comparison game like no matter how long you've been creating I feel like there's always a chance that you know like a split second or so you'll like look at how well someone else is doing and be like darn I wish I was there and like I've even caught myself doing that you know for a few seconds and I have to like snap back out of it and just remember like I am my own unique individual I show up in a unique way nobody can do it the way I do it and although I don't have you know as many followers or the awesome style of content that this person has I have my own style of content and I have to remember that that's like my brand and I wasn't dealt the same cards that they were dealt so I need to take my own path and I feel like that's something that's so hard for people to accept yeah yeah no that's so true and I think it also helps to remember that like some people like to listen to certain people like people like to consume different voices and different styles of content so there's someone out there for everyone kind of so I feel like just sticking with it and like staying true to like who you are though I feel like the first thing that has to happen is like finding your voice and who you are and showing up like that Cause I feel like there's been so many times where people like are just mimicking other designers. And I feel like I would never be able to stick with that if I was just copying. <laughs> I feel like that's the majority of designer content right now is just what other designers are doing. Like the, it's like they have the like same exact artboard set up and like the same exact style of video and like then the work mm-hmm. appears on the screen and I'm just like, show me something else. Show me how you put your own twist on things. Stop doing the exact same things that every other designer is doing because it's not going to help you attract clients. Like, yeah, they need to see something that makes you different. Exactly. Yeah. So true. Yeah, it's interesting. I know we got on the topic of social media, but I feel like that's really what, I don't know, is just driving in like connections for me and then the audience for me. And it's really what's like kind of driving my business right now. So it is important, but 
I know I kind of got us sidetracked on social media. <laughs> no, I think I think like it's been a really, really great topic. And yeah. just as like a last point or last conversation topic, I posted a video not too long ago where I was talking about how like social media is both a curse and a gift because like a lot of people do rely on social media to like get clients and grow their business but at the same time like years ago we didn't even have this much opportunity at our fingertips so yes it sucks like having to push yourself to create content and be uncomfortable doing it and like you know not seeing the results you want and just keep on going but at the same time you also have to be grateful for the fact that we have this opportunity to even work from our house and gain clients all over the world through the internet yeah it's really amazing honestly but yeah i i just feel like what i mentioned before about like nurturing those who are following though Cause I've seen like even people in other industries that get really big online or like they have a lot of people and then they just, they change. Like they don't really like think about their audience or feel that gratitude for it. So it's like, I always try and remind myself to like stay true to that. Cause I mean, it is so cool that we have those resources at our fingertips to, to gain those connections. It's awesome. Well, this was a really, really great conversation. I think my listeners will find it super, super useful and valuable. So if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? And do you have like any freebies or anything you want to share? Yeah. So this has been super fun, by the way. But um, you can find me on Instagram at Megan Weeks Design and then on YouTube if you just type in Megan Weeks. Um, I'm also on TikTok, same user, same username. Um, and I also have a free website design process guide right now. It's like a simple infographic that just breaks down the process I take to get to a functional website. Um, so I can I can give you that link if anyone's interested. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unapologetic Designer Podcast. If you'd like to submit your unapologetic design opinions, head over to the link in my description to submit yours anonymously. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can follow our Instagram page or you can sign up to make a monthly donation. I'll see you in the next episode.